1: Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, The podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want, and you can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. We are gaining um, quite a bit of recognition with this podcast as a resource for business and entrepreneurs. From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com to a whole host of other sites worldwide, Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. This is absolutely because of the incredible guests that uh, we have had on this podcast over the past um, many years. Um, Today is no different. My guest today is Perry Marshall. Perry is one of the world's most expensive and sought-after business consultants. Clients seek his ability to integrate engineering, sales, art, and psychology. I know, four things you never thought someone could integrate, but he does it. He launched two movements in modern marketing. His Google AdWords books laid the foundations for the $100 billion pay-per-click industry, and techniques he pioneered are standard best practices. He wrote the world's best-selling book on web advertising, Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords. More recently, he's turned 80-20 into a verb. 80-20 is not just a fact about your business. It's action you take on your business. 80-20 is the central lever for every great strategy. His book, 80-20 Sales and Marketing, is mandatory in many growing companies. His book our course material in several business schools, so we are really fortunate to have Perry with us. Thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Well, thanks for having me, and uh, we're going to have a great time today. We're going to 80-20 some businesses, and um, it's an honor to be on, and uh, yeah, lots of interesting little stories and quirks and rabbit trails, so can't wait to get into this today.
1: <laughs> awesome. So let's start with, uh, what is the 80-20 rule?
2: You know, I, I was uh, at a client meeting the other day, and the guy says to me, he goes, you know, don't tell them it's 80-20 because they'll think they know what it is. Um, and, and he goes, it's not what they think. But, but for those who might not know, the 80-20 principle uh, was discovered 100 years ago, and an Italian economist figured out that no matter where he went, of the people had 80% of the wealth and the other 80% of the people had 20% of the wealth. And it didn't seem to matter really what kind of economy they had or what kind of government they have. It was kind of a truism. Well, it turns out it's really true um, about just about everything. It's, It's a universal law of cause and effect that what you put in versus what you get out are almost never ever the same they're always disproportionate. And most things we do, we get pretty much a very small amount of effect. And a few things we do get a large effect. And for most people, this is just uh, kind of a rear view mirror kind of thing. Like, yeah, well, I kind of knew that, you know, not everything was going to generate an equal result. But what people don't, there's a lot people don't know about this. One of them is that you can use it to predict the future. In fact, some, sometimes scary accurately. And secondly, this is much, much deeper than people assume. And so by the time we're done today, um, everybody's going to have a much firmer grasp on, on how to do this. And uh, this really is a very powerful lever. Um, when uh, in the early days of Google AdWords, when when Google's advertising system was just launched, nobody really knew how to use it. There wasn't any best practices. It was just kind of a wild west. And this is what I used to end up becoming the world's best-selling author on the subject, not just to sell books and, and all of that, but also to figure out how the thing worked. And What are all these numbers and columns and where are these clicks coming from and who's buying and who's not buying? Um, In fact, if if the only thing you really understand is 80-20, you can be very successful in business. Really? Yes. Okay.
1: So let's talk about how it applies to sales and marketing.
2: Well, so everything that you do it creates unequal cause and effect. So if you hire 10 salespeople, uh, you know, everybody kind of has this idea, well, all right, every single one of them is going to go out and they're going to sell $100,000 of stuff every month. And at the end of the month, I'm going to have 10 people that sold 100K. That's a million dollars. So everybody get to work. But what's going to happen is is 20% of them or two are going to sell 80% of what gets sold, and the other 8 are going to sell 20% of what gets sold. So you're going to have two winners and 8 losers, and the winners um, are going to sell actually 10 or 15 times more than the losers. In fact, 8020 says they'll actually sell 16 times more because if you do the math of Eight people collectively sold 20%, and two people collectively sold 80%. That's a 16 to 1. Well, the thing is that's normal. Okay, and it's it's not just salespeople, it's also products, it's also product defects, it's also sizes of customers, it's size of files on your hard drive, it's where your emails are coming from, it's who your emails are going to? It's the traffic on the carpet in your office. Everything is eighty-twenty, um, but but most people are conditioned by education and other things to so just kind of treat everybody equal, treat everything equal, um, and then furthermore, you you add a little perfectionism to it, and human natural tendency to kind of sit there and polish turds and maybe procrastinate a little bit. Um, you, you really end up with most people doing very little of what actually produces a result and spending a whole bunch of time doing what I call $10 an hour work when really you should be doing $100 an hour or $1,000 an hour work, which is happening all the time. Um, and, and most people just don't notice it. We're We're conditioned to miss it, but it, it's everywhere.
1: Okay. So, with the 80-20 rule, if I'm a sales manager or a business owner, are we saying that I shouldn't try and get those eight people to produce more or that I should be happy that at least I have two people who are bringing in 80%? Um, I'm, pretty
2: much, I'm pretty much saying that. Now, okay. yeah, sometimes, sometimes a couple of those people can be rescued. But what 8020 tells you is that if you've got two winners and eight losers, you will actually make more money by working with and empowering the two winners than you will by helping the eight losers. Yeah. And you can actually get farther investing less time. Like if, if you're like, well, I've only got four hours a week that I can work with my salespeople, the ones you want to work with are your winners. And furthermore, you know, a lot of times people saddle their salespeople with all this other stuff like you have to do all these expense reports and, you know, yeah. I want a trip report from you and I want to, you know, I, yeah, like how come how come you show up uh, six weeks late and dump a shoebox full of receipts like I want these things organized. No, 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 no. Like you should hire somebody to do all that crap for them. Like if if they're good at doing you know, at, at closing sales, like, why are you nagging them with this silly administrivia? And, and a lot of times people actually sort of subconsciously like, like, well, you know, he's doing so well and those other struggling salespeople. So, you know, I'm going to take away some of his territory and I'm going to give it to them or, or, well, I'm kind of jealous of him. So I'm going to kind of slow him down a little bit. And I mean, that's just, that's just suicidal behavior and yeah like you if people don't work, you should get rid of them. In fact, I think the way most jobs are set up at the very beginning i mean if if you take a job and there's sort of this implicit thing that like well, you know we figure anybody that works here ought to be working here for the next six years because everybody here's already been here six years, um, and then it doesn't work out like everybody feels like it's a big giant failure when in fact. You know, a lot of times you should bring people on like, hey, you know what? We're doing a 30-day trial or a 15-day trial. And you know what? If this doesn't work, there's no judgment in that. We just know that it wasn't a match. So let's go. Let's see what we can do. And we'll decide at the end of 30 days if this even looks like it'll work. And, um, and so it, it takes some of the pressure off and it allows people to actually perform Um, because, well, we we can talk about hiring a lot more as as we, as we go forward, but I I think the way most people do this is entirely wrong.
1: Well, I'm with you on that. I I think this is a great topic because you see so many business owners spending time and, and hiring trainers and bringing people in to say, you know, take my, low performers or my mid performers and make them better performers it's like okay we can't we can try or <laughs> yes <laughs> right yes, you can, can pay try. Me to do that. right yep. <laughs> or as you said we could be investing time in in making sure that your best performers have everything they need to continue to be great performers and get a bunch of the minutiae out of their way and right. and the things that are you know clogging them up and yeah yeah, it's really great. And, and people don't, um, they don't think about it. They don't, maybe they don't want to believe it. I don't know. It's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to have you here. Because the other thing you say is stop thinking in averages. And I would love it if you would explain that.
2: Okay, so, so if we, t- first of all, every, I, w- I want to really emphasize that almost everything is eighty twenty. Um, if, if you take almost any spreadsheet that you have on your, you know, the one you opened yesterday or this morning on your hard drive and it's got your business numbers in it, I'll just about guarantee you that most of the columns in that spreadsheet uh, are 80 20, where if you sort it, whatever that column is, like number of clicks to a web page or number of dollars from a customer or how many days out, you know, some accounts receivable thing is, or anything like that. What you'll find is most of those columns, you sort from highest to lowest, um, 80% of that column is in the top 20% of the column, okay? So, 80% of the sales are from 20% of the customers, and and that's going to be just about dead accurate in almost any business, okay? And so, or your, 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 your salespeople, you know, there's going to be the number one, the number two, the number three. Well, the average, it's going to, if you have those 10 salespeople, it's going to say the average salesperson is selling like, let's say $13,000 a month, but the number one salesperson is actually selling $80,000 or $100,000 um, because the winner is never typical, the winner is always usually 3x, 5x, 10x what is typical. And so average is actually very misleading. And it focuses you on the wrong people. So you say, well, our, our average customer spends $1,000 a year. Well, that, that means that your good customers spend $5,000 a year and more. And probably if a customer spends only $1,000 a year, either you shouldn't pay attention to them or maybe you actually less likely you failed to pay attention to them past, and they need attention. But most of those customers, they're not going to turn into $5,000 customers by paying more attention to them. You go find the $10,000 customer that like, their order comes in quietly unnoticed every few months and people just fulfill the order and don't even talk to them. Hey, wait a minute, that guy's spending 10 grand a year. Like, does anybody know about those people? And it's, it's almost always true that in every company, there's some customer that, you know, they, they're, they're so low maintenance and they spend so much money that nobody even goes and bothers to find out Oh, do you know what the people in that other department at that company, they don't even know about us? And they would spend another ten grand. Yeah. This, this happens all the time. And, and meanwhile, there's always a squeaky guy who, like, spends three, $300 a year, and he's like, How co- what about that software menu that you guys promised you were going to add two years ago, and it's still not there? What's the matter with you? You know, And and the customer – um I had one of those I I remember I didn't I wasn't as wise as I am now. And I remember when 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 I first heard about 8020, I was a I was a sales manager at this little tiny software company. This is about uh almost twenty years ago, and I and I read about the eighty twenty principle. And I went and I printed out a QuickBooks printout. I'm like, well, I'll be darned. That's true. Like the this yeah. Eighty percent of our money comes from the, you know, the like the first two pages of this printout, and the, the all the other pages are just kind of crumbs, and I and 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 like somewhere near the end of the report was Dmitri, and Dimitri was that guy that I was just describing, and he's always like, you know, they only like buy something from us like once or twice a year, and it's not very much, and it's and he's always high maintenance, and he always wants to know when are we going to have this new feature or whatever, and he's always crit. I didn't realize, you know what, you can, you can fire Dimitri. It's okay. Exactly. You should
1: fire Dimitri. Yes,
2: you should fire Dimitri. You don't have to be mean. I'm not suggesting that. I don't think heart, very rarely do you ever have to get like negative emotions about this, but like I, I stood in front of a whole room full of CPAs. I I spoke at the CPA conference uh, a couple years ago and I said, how many of you have like a tax client? You know, they only pay you like 300 bucks and they just chew up like all of this time. And like, everybody's just nodding. And they're like, oh yeah. And he said, okay, as of today, I, Perry Marshall, give you permission to fire those people. You send them a letter. You go, okay, now that April 15 has gone by, we are reevaluating our whole thing. And we have decided... We're, we're actually going to need to reduce the number of clients we serve. And unfortunately, you didn't make our list. But we are going to be very happy to hand you off. I here, Here's a list of some other, um, you know, accountants here in town. And you could contact any of these people. I'd be very happy to transfer all your records over. And you just got rid of somebody like you were making $3.25 an hour serving that guy. <laughs> When, when you're making $350 an hour serving the best ones, right? And and people yeah. just, they, they, it never occurs to them. You know, there's no law of the universe that says you have to keep these people around. And and yeah. in fact, I'm going to even go further. You should figure out who your least profitable 10% of your customers are, and you should get rid of them because uh, my friend Lynn Bertain, he, he has the 2120 rule. You got to listen really carefully to catch this, but this is like this could be worth this could be worth all the podcasts you've listened to in the last 3 months. Just this one thing, okay? It's called okay. the 20 the 2120 rule and here's what it is. 20% of your clients make 120% of your profits and then these other bottom sucking clients suck the 120 down to 100 and you usually don't quite know who they are or you haven't really thought about it but if you got rid of the worst 5 or 10% of your clients your profits would immediately go up 20% wow Does
1: that makes really? sense
2: yes I'll almost guarantee you 10% of your clients, you actually lose money. 10% of your products, you actually lose money every time you ship them out the door. You're literally like almost literally taping dollar bills to that stuff as it goes out. Because if you actually do the math, you're like, oh my word, we spend 56 hours a month working on this client or shipping this product or whatever it might be and we only get x number of dollars like why would anybody do that and they just don't know
1: right that's right
2: so like for example i've got a client in houston uh gallery furniture in fact every anybody anywhere near houston knows what gallery furniture is they're they're all over the tv and everything you know what they do not sell children's furniture Now they have this huge furniture store, you know, the whole shooting match. We've all been in these big giant furniture stores, right? They don't sell children's. They sell couches and they sell, uh, you know, uh, dining room sets. No children's furniture. Why? Uh, Mattress Mac, he told me, he goes, there's no profit in it. You can't make money selling children's furniture. Everybody sells children's furniture. So we don't sell it. Now, I, I'll just about guarantee you, no matter what, you could be a doctor's office, you could yeah. be a manufacturing company, there is something you make that makes you no money, or some customer you serve, it makes you no money.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I boy, I hope people are really listening to this, because it's so weird for me how small business owners hang on to those they'll complain about them all day long yes
2: yes right
1: but they either yes. won't let go of them or they won't change their own behavior so that customer goes away right <laughs> they won't make decisions that work best for them it's 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 and they don't realize that it's holding them back from making more money because not only does it get rid of something that isn't making money but it frees you up to go look for those better you know the the clients that where you do make money
2: exactly so what's the opportunity cost on the client yeah the tax client you're making $3.50 an hour like fixing their horrible mistakes or something right trying to keep them out of jail yeah. right and you could be working with somebody else so yeah it's 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 actually huge or or i don't know maybe they just want to have an abusive boyfriend you know maybe you know, <laughs> Abusive boyfriends, abusive clients, unprofitable product lines, and you know, you know, we were given this one life. We just wanted to waste it doing trivial stuff anyway. What's the problem, right?
1: I don't think that's it. <laughs> At least I hope that's not it. But but it is it is a psychological thing. There is a you know it's either well some money's better than none, which I hate that thought process because it's wrong. Right. Um, but you know, but they're, they're really they, and they get caught up in this. And interestingly, the the companies I know that have actually fired clients are liberated, and will talk about it about how, uh, you know, how much good it has done for their company.
2: Well, oh, and you, and your your whole staffle, thank you. I will tell you another yeah. story. Kind of jump into another topic here. Um, I uh in in my book eighty twenty sales and marketing, I tell this story of my friend John Paul Mendoza, and John when he was 17 he dropped out of high school hitchhiked to Las Vegas and decided to become a professional gambler so you know as you can imagine his his mother is like praying (laughs) rosaries every day you know lighting candles hoping that he doesn't end up dead right right um and um and, and so he gets to Vegas and, you know, he's got all these like gambling books and stuff and he's learning how to play cards and stuff. And after a few weeks, he's like, dang, you know, this is a little harder than I thought. Well, he so he goes to the gambling bookstore, which they have there, and he meets this guy. And it turns out this guy runs a professional gambling ring and his name is Rob. And they they get to talking and and John's like, Could you teach me how to do this? And he's like, Well, for a percentage of your winnings, I could teach you how to do this. And so they shake on it. And so as soon as they shake on it, Rob goes, Jump in the Jeep, John. We're going for a ride. Okay. So they they jump in the Jeep and they're going down the highway. And John goes, Okay. So how do I win more poker games? And Rob goes, Well, you need to play people who are going to lose like you don't play other professional poker players, you want like the 18 year old kid that just got his grandmother's inheritance money, and he flew in from Wichita. And he thinks he's going to get rich and lost wages, like you need that guy. And he goes, well, where do I find that guy? Uh, And he goes, here, I'll show you. He goes, those guys, those are called marks. And here's where you find them. And he pulls into a strip club parking lot. (laughs) And they go into a strip club. And there's. You know loud music and women and people drinking and all the stuff going on in there and rob sits down at a table with john and rob always carried a sawed-off shotgun oh, yeah. in his jacket and he pulls a sawed-off shotgun out and he puts it under the table and he opens the chamber and then he snaps it shut really fast so it goes Okay, that's called racking the shotgun. Okay. And 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 some people like look around like, "Hey, wait a minute. What what was that?" And the owner comes over, he goes, "Hey, everything okay over here?" And Rob goes, "It's all right. Just teaching the lad a lesson. Don't worry about us. We're not going to make any trouble here." He goes, "John. Did you hear that sound, did you, did you see those people that turned around like those biker guys over there when they heard that sound? And he goes, yeah, I saw him turn around. He goes, don't play poker with them. They're not. They're not marks. You play poker with everybody else. Wow. Okay, now, that, that was what John calls racking the shotgun. And everything you do in marketing is racking the shotgun. Everything. Okay. Okay, so you bid on a keyword on Google AdWords and you run ads when those keywords get typed in. Some people type them in, some people don't. That's rack the shotgun. Some people click on your ad and some people don't. That's rack the shotgun. Some people come to your website and sign up for the webinar, and some people don't, that's rack the shotgun, some people show up for your webinar, and some of them don't, some people buy the product, some people don't, some people buy the the extended warranty, some people don't, some people take the upsell, some people don't, every one of those steps is racking the shotgun, and every single one, so like, you hire the 10 salespeople, and you see what they can do the first month, you know, the two that made the cut versus the eight that didn't that's racking the shotgun too, right? Yeah. You're separating. you're always separating. Now here's what everybody does. What everybody always does is they always focus on the eight instead of the two. Yeah. They always focus on what they didn't get than what they did. Well, the ones that you did get, so if they bought something for a hundred dollars this morning, they are 10 times more likely to spend another $100 this afternoon than the eight people that didn't spend any money. But what people do is they go chase the people that didn't. Yeah. And so 80-20 is always counterintuitive. And see, if you start paying attention, like – Okay, instead of sending this email to 56,000 people, most of whom can't even remember who we were because it was five years ago, if you just sent it to the 1,200 people that opened an email yesterday, most of your customers are right there.
1: Okay. I would love it if you would repeat that. (laughs) because there are so many voices out there trying to convince people that they need to gather as many people around them as they can, as opposed to focusing on the people they already have relationships with, the people they're already engaged with, the people who are already expressing
2: interest. So a customer who hasn't spent money with you is 3 to 10 times more expensive to get or sell to or time-consuming or any all forms of cost, all forms of sweat, 3 to 10 times more expensive than somebody who's already done business with you. Or if you want somebody to come in your store, it's 10 times easier to get somebody who's already been there or if you want somebody to visit your website, it's 10 times cheaper to get somebody that already visited because people do what people do and people don't do what people don't do. And, and that, well, I mean, you know, like if they didn't do it yesterday, they're probably not going to do it today. If they did yeah. it yesterday, they're probably going to do it today. And this is, this is how the world works. In fact, This is actually what's going on. When you are like, let's say you go to Disneyland or Disney, you know, you go like 2,000 miles away and you're in some amusement park and like you see these people from your town or your church or or your company or something. You're like, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, it's a small world. You know what? Every time you have one of these – Dang, isn't it a small world conversation? People think it's like this crazy, wacky coincidence. No, it's the fact there are actually five or six 80-20s going on all at the same time that made it almost certain that you were going to bump it. Because you know what? Not everybody goes to Disney. Right. Okay? Like, I live in Chicago. There are are kids in the inner city – that have never even been to Lake Michigan, which is three miles away. Yeah, And there's like millions of them. Okay. So like, you know, everybody is not Disney's customer or everybody does not go to Outback Steakhouse. There's only certain kinds of people that go to Outback Steakhouse. There's only certain kinds of people that go to Burning Man. There's only certain kinds of people who buy high-end stereo equipment. And like any marketer salesperson, like you've got to know this. You've got to know that if you want customers, there's certain kinds of places where they hang out. And if you're not in the right place, like you're not going to get them.
1: Yeah, boy. Okay, wait, I got to take a sponsor break. And then I want to talk some more about this because I think this is one of the the biggest messages that people need to hear. So Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from and you can listen to them on any device including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link which is audibletrial.com/businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a 1-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are The Secret of Peak Productivity by Tamara Miles and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash business explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're talking to Perry Marshall, and we're talking about the 80-20 rule of marketing. Now, um, I had to take that sponsor break, but I want to circle back to what you were just talking about because I think it is so critically important for people to realize that they need to be communicating where their target audience is and they actually have to have a target audience and the people who they are already engaged with are the people they should be focusing on and spending their time communicating with. Am I getting that right?
2: That is absolutely right. right. That is absolutely true because, um, you know, if somebody if somebody visited your website, you could probably get them back for 50 cents. But if somebody's never visited your website, it's probably gonna cost you $3. Like if we're talking in terms of buying advertising on the internet, that's how the economics work. In fact, one, one of the, the hottest things you can do right now in online marketing is retarget or remarket your traffic. So, and everybody sees this all the time. You know, you go shop for blinds on some website and then there's lavender blinds that show up in your Facebook feed or or on the New York Times website when, you, when you're in the ads next to the article um, or, you know, you, eBay does this, Amazon does this. Well, you can do it too. You can put a little Facebook pixel or a little Google pixel on your website and you can, market to the person who already came to your website and you can say, hey, you might not have known we also do this or you might not have heard this story about our product. And, um, and it becomes much less expensive to convert a visitor to an actual buyer because you're already reinforcing their existing behavior. Got it. So yes, that's, that's one of the things we cover. So I, I got a couple other wow. books. I've got Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords and Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. And by the way, Eighty Twenty Sales and Marketing is on Audible. So if you like…
1: Is it? it I was going to ask you. Okay.
2: Absolutely, it is. Um, and, and, right uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it goes into time management. It goes into um, how you buy web traffic, How how you convert people on a sales page, um, now there, there's a couple other things I want to I want to mention. Sure. Now what most people don't know, like this this is where 80/20 gets really super powerful is there's an 80/20 inside every 80/20. Okay. Right. So so let's say instead of having 10 salespeople, we're talking about 100 salespeople. Okay. So okay. 80/20 pretty much guarantees if you have 100 salespeople. 20 of them sell 80% and 80 of them sell 20%. It's almost a law of nature. In fact, the bigger the bigger an organization is, the bigger a population, the more almost cast in concrete 80-20 will be. It's it's really spooky. Well, so here's another. This is where it gets super powerful. So I got 100 salespeople and 20 of them are selling 80%. Well, guess what? of the 20 sell 80% of the 80%. Wow. It's true again. So I got 100 salespeople. It means four of them probably sell two-thirds. 64% would be the number. 4% of the salespeople sell 64% of the goods. Wow. And in fact, one of them probably sells close to half. Now, if you're in a super, this this might sound crazy, but I, I want to kind of prove this to you. Um, there, there are two different kinds of environments. So there's like a highly regimented corporate environment where maybe they showed up and they just gave them these accounts and these accounts are already doing business and okay, you know, just fill in the forms and just call them and check on them. You like that kind of a sales job. But I I, I want to contrast this to a different kind of sales job, which is what my daughter did last summer. She started selling knives for Cutco. Nice. Okay. Which is a great thing to do, by the way. If your kid wants to do that, send them <laughs> they'll teach them all kinds of great stuff and you won't have to and it's like a nice conservative family oriented you know kind of company and they'll learn they'll learn to like walk into people's kitchens and sell them something like there's hardly any skill that an 18 year old or 20 year old kid uh would find more valuable than that i think we can very much agree so i i love it well okay That is, so that's like almost a straight commission environment and they like, they can't control what these people do in an environment like that. It's dead certain that if you hire a hundred cut co-reps, one of them will sell nearly half the knives and 10 of them will sell almost everything. And the other 90, like they're gone by the third day. Yeah. Okay, so you really see this in a unmoderated like where you you can't babysit people and and they're just gonna do what they're gonna do. You you will see like totally unfiltered, unabashed eighty twenty going on, and so huh. like my my daughter in the case of of my daughter, I think she has way more natural sales ability than I ever had like. Oh, sweetheart, like I struggled my first few years of sales. I was, they should have just fired me, and actually, they did. <laughs> um, after two years, it was like, man, you know, he tries so hard, but he can't sell anything. And I want to circle back about why. I, let's bookmark that, okay, for a second. Okay. But, but, okay. but she, number one, like she's just, she already had a telemarketing job raising money um, at, at her college, and she already, she, oh she already also had some acting experience and so for her it was like oh this is just a personality I put on on top of that yeah. she was gonna spend a semester in Russia and mom and dad told her like we are not paying for this you yeah. have to earn your own money for this trip so she was like bug eye insanely motivated like I got your knives and you got my money and like, here we go. And I'm going to Russia, you know, (laughs) and she did, she sold like $10,000 in like just a few weeks and then she went to Russia. Right. Well, that's like natural forces at work. Like, you know, the girl who already had some acting and some telemarketing, give her a set of steak knives and like, she's raring to go.
1: Right makes sense now
2: now let's let's talk about like the struggling salesperson because oh my goodness I was I was such the struggling salesperson in fact I got laid off so this is 20 years ago my uh, my wife is three months pregnant with the daughter who's now selling knives um, and I'm an engineer and I get laid off and unless I want to move to some other city, like I gotta switch professions because I was just wasn't finding the engineering stuff, and so I went into sales. Wow! And,
1: that's a huge switch.
2: Yeah, and my wife was gonna come home from work, so like we're gonna cut our income in half. So like the pressure's really on. Well, yeah, I I had the privilege of experiencing two years of bologna sandwiches and ramen soup and and you know exponentially multiplying credit cards which does work for a little while
1: <laughs> but then you got to sell something
2: <laughs> yeah then you got to sell something and so like so after 2 years at that first sales job i did i got they fired me and like i i mean just about every project i worked on like it fell through well Okay. So eventually I, I figured this stuff out. I figured out direct marketing. In fact, I got really good at direct marketing. Well, f- you know, f- fast forward like 10 years and I'm starting to really understand what the problem was. Cause I, I didn't totally get what was wrong then. Okay. What was wrong was there are very different kinds of sales personalities and different ways of selling and different ways that people buy. So, you know, God bless whoever listens to some Zig Ziglar tapes or some Tom Hopkins tapes or Jim Rohn or like whoever. Um, if, If whatever they teach you on that tape or CD or MP3, if that works for you, great, God bless you. But here's what I found. I found that, so for example, there are people I call them hostage negotiators. You could drop them into any situation and they have a silver tongue and they, they probably won't even remember what they said, but they'll get yeah. the deal. Right. Yeah. And they, they can improvise and they can tell stories and whatever, but that's not the only way that people sell. No. There are some people they sell with spreadsheets and numbers and charts and graphs and proof. And if you put them in the right selling situation that requires that, they are awesome. But don't send them into some purchasing agent's office expecting them to talk about their their golf trophy and their fishing award because they don't want to do that. I hate that. It felt so disingenuous to me. Then there's another kind of salesperson, and it's like the copywriter that will sit there for eight weeks and craft the perfect sales letter. Or there's a video version of that. They'll like edit, you know, a YouTube video until they've got, you know, this selling masterpiece and, you know, and then they press send and they sell $150,000 of stuff in one day. But they spent eight weeks working on it before (laughs) they pressed send. So do, you, do you realize these are completely, totally different ways of selling? Yeah. Like, could not possibly be more different. And in our media-based world, like, there are some people, they could, they're a hostage negotiator. You ask them to send an email, they can't even spell.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? And so, I i said, i I really got to help people figure this out because – I have worked with people in 300 different industries in every kind of company and entrepreneur that you can imagine, and I just started seeing the patterns. And so I made this thing called the marketing DNA test. And, like, there's, there's these different modalities on it. Like, you know, you are a hostage negotiator, right? Or, or you are a highly analytical and you use numbers. Or you pluck people's heartstrings and you make them cry. Or, you know, you show people brand new ideas that they've never seen before in their life and they get all excited. Or you sell how reliable and how predictable it is. And there is no new ideas because they don't want a new idea. And, and so I, I put this together and we sell it for 37 bucks on my website, but there's actually a free backdoor to take the, the test for free inside of eighty twenty sales and marketing. And, and I just want to say to anybody, if you're struggling as a salesperson, you need to look at your marketing DNA test and figure out, hey, am I trying to sell the wrong kind of thing, the wrong way to the wrong kind of people? Because everybody has to sell. Everybody has to get people to cooperate. But you need to do it your way, and you need to get yourself in a situation. So this is 80-22. You need to, whatever the 20% of your skills are that are really high mojo versus the 80% that are just good enough to get by, you need to make sure you're selling groove, like wherever you put yourself to sell is right for how you sell. Yep. So the marketing DNA test will tell you that, and it's in the 80-20 sales and marketing book. And That's I just, great. if I had known that, I would have taken a different job and the first two years wouldn't have been bologna sandwiches and ramen soup. And here, here's, here's what was wrong. I was an electrical engineer and I wanted to sell to engineers and I was in a company that didn't really need like, they didn't want me like having some big long conversation about how I integrate this product into their system and, you know, and, and how all the flow charts work and everything. They didn't want that, but that's, that, that was what I was good at.
1: Yeah, I'm really good right. at
2: teaching people, Google AdWords and Facebook advertising, cause that's a process. Yeah. Like, okay, you do this and you do that, you do this and you know, and it only works if you get these 10 things right. They didn't want a sales guy that did that. They wanted me to go sell some connectors. Just sell the guy some connectors and, like, take him to a basketball game and make him feel good. Like, I just felt so slimy, you know, trying to sell that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but it is interesting that I really like this DNA thing because there are definitely people who can pull that off. They can do that, and they're comfortable with it, and it's natural for them, and they're – you know, successful at selling where I've always found the problem when I'm working with small business owners is I think the vast majority of them aren't wired that way. And they think they have to be wired that way. They think they have to do it and it's uncomfortable and feel slimy as you said. So then they just don't do anything right. instead of learning how to sell the way they sell.
2: And then they condemn themselves. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm crap, you know, like, like <laughs> when, when your sales job isn't working, like I would wake up in the morning, I would open my eyes. I would look at the ceiling, like I have to go into that office and I have to pound the phone with that stupid manufacturer's directory. I don't have any appointments and I have to get one, you know, yeah. so I could get out of the office and go sell something because the longer I sit in that office, the, the more my boss is going to be glowering at me waiting for like aren't you supposed to be somewhere like I'm trying to be somewhere I really am trust me I don't want to be here I want to be in my car I want to go see somebody and I want to go sell them something but these people are all strangers and I'm cold calling I mean oh my goodness <laughs> right <And then laughs> everyone you, then is you do,
1: listening is going I know I know I and hate then you get too. this spiral
2: of self-condemnation and you can't pay your bills oh my yeah. goodness it's yeah. awful yeah
1: it is awful that, that it is awful. There is nothing good about that. Now I have <laughs> a question that, um, I, I want to ask you, um, because I absolutely have to explain it. What is bleeding neck and why does it matter? Why? is ah, it
2: important? Okay. So this back to my friend, John, John Mendoza, the, the, the gambling guy. Well, like, uh, after three and a half years of this one day, like it, by the way, he did some really awful things. Okay, like these were not good hombres. If you if you catch my drift, okay. Uh, um, but one day he's sitting in a restaurant booth, and these two guys are having an argument. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, you will. Out comes a Glock, and the guy plants it on the other guy's head, and he's like, "Yes, you will." And John sits there, and he goes, "If I don't get out of this, like, I'm gonna be dead." Um, and so he, as, as he likes to put it, walked on and he just like disappeared from the scene and he went to Southern California and he found a job selling ele- uh, d- uh, electronics and computer stuff for defense. Okay. And, yeah. and, and so now he's, he's in a sales job, just like what we're talking about. Well, you know, he didn't really tell him what he'd been doing for the last three years because they wouldn't have wanted him to know. But all that gambling experience gave him some really serious um, sales instincts, right? And that rack the shotgun stuff. And what, what John figured out, there's actually five rack the shotguns that determine any sale. In other words, all five of these things are always true every time somebody sells some, some sells something. And his first boss, he was like, okay, I got 206 leads. I want you to call all these people. I want you to go see all these people, and I want you to sell them something. And John's like, John understood 80-20. He's like, 80% of these people are not going to buy anything. I shouldn't even be meeting with 80% of these people, at, you know, maybe not even 90 Um how do, how do I sort through them? And he came up with this thing called the five power disqualifiers. And and so, again, five things that are true every time that you sell anything. Number one, do they have a bleeding neck? Now, what does that mean? Well, if you go to the emergency room with a broken arm, you think it's the end of the world. My arm is broken. Ah! Well, the lady behind the desk doesn't think it's the end of the world. She, like, hands you a clipboard and, like, um, here, fill this out and then read better. Go to homes and gardens for two hours, right? And, and then, but if a guy comes in and his aorta is squirting blood onto the ceiling, they will not give him a clipboard and they, the doctor will see him right away. That is a bleeding neck, okay? Got it, yeah. is it really actually urgent or really not really urgent, right? Okay, number one, if your customer doesn't have a bleeding neck, they're probably not going to buy anything, okay? Number two, do they have the money? If they do not have the money, they are not buying. Thank you. No, I... I, I, I know that sounds really elementary, but it took me a year and a half to figure that one out. Like no matter how much kumbaya we do, no matter how much I like you, if they don't have the budget, if it's not, you know, it's, it ain't. Exactly.
1: Happening. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. Okay. Number three, they have the ability to say Yes. Now, there's lots of people I sold to. They could say no, but they couldn't say yes. They could stop me, but they could never give me a green light. So the best I could do is, oh, so after you didn't say no to me, now I get another appointment later with somebody else who could still probably say no to me, right? <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Like if, and, and John had the balls to ask them, like, Well, do you have the authority to make a purchasing decision or am I actually talking to the wrong guy? Now, most people think, well, I'm going to be offensive if I ask that. Well, you know, only if you like driving all over Southern California and making no money and wasting everybody's time, right? Like, no, you have to have the balls to ask the question, right? Okay, do they buy into your unique selling proposition? Or not? Okay. Yeah. If, if they yeah. don't, they're not buying. Yeah. Like, I hope there's something unusual or unique about your product. And if they don't appreciate yeah. that, they're not buying it. And, and number five is, does it agree with their overall plans? Like, you know, um, if they're living in an apartment and they're moving across the country next week, they're not going to buy a house if you're a real estate agent. Right. So, yeah. so those are the five power disqualifiers and it starts wow. bleeding neck
1: that's great that is great it's so important that you you know and people have to own that right they have to say uh, you know i have to believe that this is true because it's true but -hmm. they have to own it because it helps them not spend time in places they shouldn't be or with people they shouldn't be spending time with
2: Uh, absolutely yeah, yeah And, and so and so, what you, what you realize is that if you're going – so 80-20 is the way the world works. It is the way it stacks up. It is the way the numbers and the columns and the spreadsheet are organized. It, it is true. But if you're going to embrace that truth, it, it means you end up saying no to a lot of people that you would socially normally – the nice thing to do would be to say yes – um, it means disqualifying people before you go spend a bunch of time trying to sell them something, yeah. right? It means firing yeah. customers that don't yeah. further your purpose. It means yeah. focusing on that, like, okay, the top 5% of your, your customers will produce 50% of your profits. So who are they? it means it means most of the things most people do all day long are a total waste of time yeah and so yeah. there 's a lot like a lot wow. a lot a lot of room for improvement for almost anybody and what What I love is that people read my eighty twenty sales and marketing book, and some people don 't get it well that 's okay, but there 's a certain kind of person, and they get it they 're like. Oh, my word. I see it. 80 20 is everywhere. It's, there's 80-20 in my tree in the front yard, and there's 80-20 of the traffic and all the roads in my town, and, and, and the size of the cities in the U.S. is 80-20, and the size of files on my hard drive is 80-20, and, and my Google traffic is 80-20, and my Facebook traffic is 80-20, and my email list is 80-20. I get it. And all of a sudden, like, everything starts to change. Yeah. And everything gets so much more easy. Like you realize, uh, one of my friends, um, she said, she went through her email box one day. She goes, what percentage of these emails have any money attached to them at all? For me. <laughs> not, yeah. not for okay. them.
1: Good, good. For me.
2: Right. Right. 13%. Eek eighty seven percent of the emails had nothing to do with them making any money from their customers whatsoever. Wow. Isn't that amazing?
1: Yeah, but if you, once you say it, then I realize, yeah boy, there, there's no question that's true. It's unfortunate. there's no question that's true.
2: This will change the way you see the whole entire World. And when you see the 8020 yeah. inside the 8020 and you realize there's levers inside of levers inside of levers, oh my word. So there are tiny little levers that swing giant doors in your life, in your business, and they're mostly hidden in plain sight. They're right under your nose and you just never really thought about how to find them. But the 80-20 sales and marketing book will help you find them.
1: Awesome. So speaking of which, um, and thank you so much for, for being here, Perry. This is really invaluable information, and I hope people listen to this a couple of times because there's a lot here, and they really need to embrace what it is you're talking about. But they also need to get the book. So tell my listeners how they get it, please.
2: So you can get it on Audible, and you can get it on Kindle, and it's in soft cover. Um, but I, I have a very special offer on my website. Um, so on Amazon, it's like 15 bucks on my website. It's seven in the U S uh, it's 14 international and um, you can, you can also get a couple extra videos and bonuses if you buy it directly from us. And uh, you just, you just go to sell S E S E L dot And um, and you, you can you can buy the the book now, one of the reasons that you would want to do this is because what you will witness is an eighty twenty sales machine that kicks in, and it whatever comes next is based on your behavior what you click on what you opt-in for what you buy, what you don't buy, every, the whole entire sales machine, the emails, the Facebook posts, the, the, everything that happens after that will customize itself to your behavior. And you can learn a lot by watching how we market, how we sell, how I nurture my email list. Uh, people in the internet marketing community will say, Perry's email list is some of the best emails that you ever get in this business and you'll see why. And and you'll learn a lot. If you if you look at how I market to you and market to your customers a similar way, it will really improve your selling. So wow. you can go to sell8020.com and just sign up.
1: That's great. That is great. Well, thank you so much for for spending time with us and I always want to thank the listeners cuz um, they're why we do this. And yes. our sponsor, audible.com. Get a free trial and a free audiobook. You know, you could get Perry's book on you audible.com. <laughs> you go to audible.com, um, right? <laughs> slash business growth to sign up. Continue to prosper and be curious and to think about these things um, and then implement some of it. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast.
0: and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.